It's four o'clock on Wednesday just passed, and that means we are joined by the dollars and cents economist, Brett House, professor of professional practice in economics at Columbia Business School and a fellow with the Public Policy Forum, the Monk School, and Massey College. Welcome back to The Rush, Brett. Hi, Deb. And Teddy. Hello. So group RRSPs are rising as retirement savings tools as the notion of pension plans reduce. Tell us what this all means, Brett. Uh, Well, there was an article uh, that the Financial Post ran talking about the increased so-called popularity of group RRSPs, registered retirement savings plans. I'd frame it a little differently. I'd say that companies are generally retreating from providing pensions and RRSPs, uh, tax-sheltered retirement investment vehicles, are their substitute. And uh, the substitute essentially puts the responsibility for saving and investing those savings in the hands of employees, which you know, if you want that autonomy is great, but you know, for a whole lot of people who don't have much experience with markets, that's pretty daunting. And when there are RRSP plans, are there usually contributions happening by the employer or is this, as you say, full on, you get to manage your retirement savings such as it is? It's a mix. And, you know, that's the bonus uh, that distinguishes a group RRSP provided by by an employer from the accounts that any of us can open up with a financial institution uh, just by walking in or going onto their website. A group RRSP typically provides some degree of match uh, for deposits by employees that comes from the employer. And this is why participating in them, if you have one at your job, is so essential because there is no better way to guarantee a return on your money than a matching program from your boss. You know, one of the things I'm sure you've heard me say this before, Brett House, <laughs> that mm-hmm. I find uh, challenging when we talk about public sector versus private sector salaries is that the pension and benefits in the public sector continue to be, I think, quite generous. Do you see that changing? going forward as well, or is this strictly a private sector phenomenon? Well, the economist in me would say that, you know, the combination of pay, benefits, and uh, retirement programs together represents, you know, what the market thinks uh, is required to get people to go into a particular job. No one's forcing people into those jobs just as no one's forcing seeing people into a private sector job. If uh, that combination of compensation wasn't right, then the public sector would have a whole lot hard, harder time hiring. So, you know, I, I think it's important to look at the total mix between pay, benefits, and retirement compensation. So we're talking with economist Brett House for our dollars and cents segment here on The Rush. Uh, Let's switch gears a little bit, Brett, and talk cryptocurrency. Of course, the biggest of them all is Bitcoin. A lot of headlines in the last few days about Bitcoin making a comeback. It never really went anywhere, but it has surged by more than 40% already this year in 2024. And it's now trading at 60,000 bucks per Bitcoin. So it's approaching the all-time high that we saw back in November of 69,000 bucks. Quite a stratospheric rise. What's behind this, Brett? 
Well, the biggest thing driving it is that in the United States over the last few weeks, we saw the uh, approval and the entry into trading of what are called exchange traded funds, uh, which are kind of like a mutual fund, but you know, it's slightly different features to them. The bottom line is they're a very easy way for people to get involved in owning cryptocurrency. And that has brought a new wave of demand for the tokens. And that has been the big source of prices going up. At the same time, uh, the supply of these tokens is getting is growing at a slower and slower rate. And so as this new demand comes in, it's not being met by uh, inventories at quite as rapid a pace. And that together is pushing prices up. Do you think we might see uh, Bitcoin exceed that $69,000 high from back in November? Oh, we could. And I know there'll be a lot of people out there who've made some big money on speculative investments in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But I would really emphasize when you look at the data, it doesn't provide any meaningful diversification against other assets in people's portfolios. It is truly a speculative investment. And continues to be something I really don't understand deep down. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> you know, and I, I think that is a reasonable response because, in fact, there is less there of substance than all the mumbo-jumbo implies. Uh, it is, just like a dollar, a worthless uh, token or piece of paper. Uh, the main difference is it's got shadowy kind of creation myths around it and a limited supply. And folks who think that limited supply is its virtue rather than a problem are failing to learn lessons from the 1930s. They are failing to see how badly off we would have been over the last couple of years if we were using cryptocurrencies rather than the Canadian dollar. Inflation would have been multiples of what we've seen. So, we learned yesterday that the current going rate for taxpayers uh, when it comes to the FIFA World Cup coming here in 2026 is now $380 million, up from $300 million. Today, we learned that the provincial government said, well, you know, we're not putting any more cash into this. How does all look to you, Brett House? Uh, it looks to me, sadly, like deja vu all over again. Exactly the same scenario we see with every major sporting event uh, or kind of spectacle uh, that comes into town, particularly with FIFA. Uh, you know, John Tory, when he was mayor, signed a contract that gives all of the losses, uh, should we run a loss on these events to the city, and shares uh, profits, uh, should there be any. And it's a terrible deal. These things never produce the economic benefits that are touted when they're signed. And we should be clear-eyed. They are just and mainly uh, a cost. And, you know, I, I support the provincial government saying we've done our part and we're not doing more. Yeah, Teddy and, and I, I'm a soccer fan. Uh, Teddy and I were talking about this earlier today, and I think our friend Jerry Agar of the Jerry Agar Show asked the most important question around this, which is, why is it that Taylor Swift comes here and will generate millions of dollars in economic activity and we don't have to pay her but FIFA, by all accounts, is a worldwide phenomena as well, and yet we have to pay, now already, $380 million. It was a fantastic point. I think it's a great point. And uh, 
kudos and you know doff my hat to fifa and their negotiating power uh but there is absolutely no reason why we as taxpayers should be footing the bill for you know this organization which is a for-profit organization they are not doing this as a favor to any of us and economist Brett House, we just have time for one more quick item. We talked a few minutes ago about Bitcoin and their price surging in the last number of months. A more traditional stock also has some big gains recently. It's a small little indie retailer you might have heard of, Costco. So in the last approximately four decades, its share price has gone up by over 430 times. That's compared with only about 25 times for the S&P 500 index. It is outperforming a lot of other stocks out there. People love it. I guess shareholders love it too. What's behind this massive surge? Uh, well, as a recent Costco convert, uh, I have the zeal of the recently converted on this one. And <laughs> it is that they do very simple things well. And Charlie Munger, who was Warren Buffett's partner in building Berkshire Hathaway, called it a near-perfect company. They keep costs under control. They stay focused on a limited number of products that gives them extra bargaining power. The membership model means that people tend to focus their shopping there, and uh, that keeps them kind of captive to the company in a way. And it doesn't hurt that you've got the very cheap roast chicken at the back of the store and the $1.50 hot dog up front. <laughs> well said. Brett House, just going to give you a little tip. Two pounds of 1620 shrimp, way cheaper at Costco frozen shrimp than anywhere else I've ever found it. There's your tip as a new convert to Costco. Nice. It is in my trolley the next time I'm there. Dollars and I'll cents. call it the, the Deb ring. Exactly. <laughs> Dollars and cents with Brett House. I just saved him a bucket of money, professor of professional practice in economics at Columbia Business School and a fellow with Public Policy Forum, Monk School, and Massey College. You'll hear him every week at four o'clock on The Rush. Now I want a hot dog. <laughs>